0: three two one
1: bellissimo Wait, which
0: mario pod? which podcast is it? 171
1: what do yes. the Mario do
0: that's good i like your yeah good vocal warm-up for that one you just have to s- rapidly cycle through every single mario voice
1: it's me mario
0: <laughs> that was that toad or was that mario you cut out cuz discord didn't like that, the high frequencies. That was,
1: that was toad pretending to be Mario and I I'm, I'm pleased that discord has decided <laughs> it doesn't like me doing
0: impressions of toad. We have had a problem recently. I've noticed this when editing things. Always after the beep we immediately drift into the mushroom kingdom. We like power slide that a, was that a problem <laughs> into Mario it's not a bug; it's a feature. <laughs> I think it's like time to record a podcast. Whoa! It's, it's so, instantly <laughs> something a trip switch goes in our brains, and it's time for Mario. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is.
1: I think a long time ago, you might have done the, the triple jump sound effect as a means of getting yourself into the mental headspace for a podcast, which I think is a good, a good. Oh, the three way of Thinking like, about it. Yeah. Wah, wah, wah,
0: Wahoo! Woo! hello and welcome to the very 171st episode of the shut up and sit down podcast a podcast about board games board games and the people that love board games i'm joined by my friend accomplice and elder matthew lees hello
1: it's me i'm older than tom 171 though what a podcast number But the podcast has never felt so young, even in its ancient years of 171
0: podcast years. I thought you were going to say that you were 171, and I was going to go, 171 today! That's my party noise, uh, because
1: it's my 171st birthday. No, I'm not that old, um, but some days I feel like it, don't we all? This is the Relatable Podcast, it's all about board games, being a human being that's lived for over 150 years. However, we will be talking about something that's been around for more than one hundred and fifty years today. That's right, China, the mafia. Oh, okay, and the Great Wall of China, and probably the mafia as well. I think they've been around for a long time too. They are older than the Aztecs. That's that could be if true. You really get philosophical about it. I feel like if you're being specific in terms of the mafia, as like the Italian mafia, the the mafioso family, the mafioso, then I don't think they did out pre-exist. No, uh, the Aztecs. I think the Aztecs came before.
0: <laughs> but you're saying the the idea of a mafia predates basically anything. Quite possibly, I reckon. Quite early on, that
1: would have been the vibe. It in, would have in... been, hey, nice, nice cave you got here.
0: Shame if anything woulda happened to it. <laughs> Give me all um... of your nice rocks. Hey, nice little fire you've invented here. Shame if
1: anything woulda. Deinvented. <laughs> and finally, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking for a little bit about the initiative as promised in last week's video review on the website, which you've not watched yet. You should go and check it out. It's a very exciting box, but we're not going to be talking about that game in much detail. I'm just going to be easing you into a couple of spoilers yeah that's right straight if you want to know the spoilers if, straight to the spoilers if you want to know what things that i've alluded to that this box does because you're never going to play it etc then at the end of the podcast do listen to that if you don't want to know what about the spoilers then don't listen to the end of the podcast just stop listening at that point we'll make sure it's clearly signaled and without further ado let's podcast <laughs> So today I'm going to tell you a little bit about a game from Awakened Realms called The Great Wall. Now this has been sitting on my pile of mild shame for a little while, and it is a quite excessively, I'm just going to not bury the lead here, a quite excessively complex Euroy game about people trying to maintain the Great Wall of China against the horde of Mongols who are attacking China, the city on the board... Historical inaccuracy is um, is one of my, my, my weakest areas, so I apologise on that front. But this is made by Awakened Realms, who traditionally do not do things. Um, a, by halves, and also do not do things in small boxes. This is the team that made Nemesis that we reviewed a few years ago, which was uh, excessively chunky, but I pretty... I love it. I love it despite that. And also Lords of Hellas, which was like almost fantastic i think it was close to being something really quite special didn't quite manage that and had some frankly excessive statues of characters and basically just largely too much plastic in a box now in what may be a first in the world of the internet uh, this is a publisher who seemed to be listening to what people thought about this stuff and actually trying to do something differently and with Great Wall, I was really pleased to see that what they'd done was run a Kickstarter whereby you can still have all of these um, miniatures of lots of different Chinese soldiers uh, that you can keep and put in your garage or paint or whatever. But the game itself <laughs> was kind of set kept separate from that. And having it... So the, this is the game. The pieces are wooden and cardboard. And if you do want all of these miniatures as well, then you can have them as part of the Kickstarter. But it's a separate thing entirely, which I am all about, right? Yeah. Because I don't really want to... Um, you know, I don't want to yuck the arm of anyone who really enjoys collecting and painting miniatures, right? That's cool. But it's a different hobby. And at the point at which those two hobbies intersect, things for me get a little bit messy. And in some extremes we see games which just have plastic in them that doesn't need to be there and doesn't make sense, you know?
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of the time there's an idea that people are going to paint the miniatures that they get in these big, expensive board games with tons of plastic, and then probably won't. So it's a weird intersection. And it's good to see that The Great Wall, it does have the, in the words of, the immortal words of Hannah Montana, it has the best of both worlds.
1: It does. God bless Hannah, wherever she is. Effectively, this game then is free of this plastic burden. It's still got some chunkiness to it, right? So a lot of the pieces in this box are uh, very thick cut wooden. Uh, painted pieces that you use instead of plastic so it's not uh, an incredibly lightweight and and breezy box despite that but it's an incredibly small box for the scale of experience that unfolded in front of us you know we're talking about something that's maybe uh you know maybe double the thickness of brass birmingham in terms of box size maybe one and a half so it's not like a super svelte thin box Mm. but a small box that unfolds to have this gigantic map covered in cards and bits and pieces and wall segments tiny cardboard wall segments 3d walls three dimensional walls that are honestly very impressive when you build them throughout the game they gradually create these little castle-like like structures which do not look like walls do uh, if i'm completely honest <laughs> but very fun and add a tremendous 3d presence to the board which was quite exciting now to explain this game um first of all i'm gonna have to ask you to forgive me because th- this is a game that when you are describing it um it sounds it doesn't sound real um it, and it's it becomes excessive and I, I recall there was a point where i was just go which i was going through the mechanics of the game to teach it to tom and I became aware that effectively at that point I resembled like a magician who just kept pulling uh, like coloured <laughs> handkerchiefs out of my <laughs> out of my jacket because it it, ke- it kept just being new mechanic after new mechanic after the point where it's like that's surely it and it's like no
0: it, it is four more it's fully started off being handkerchiefs but then by the end it was like then it was a rabbit then it was like three parrots <laughs> then a whole tiger and then a man just it got worse and worse and worse as you went along but do you remember that tiger i just
1: pulled out 10 minutes ago well that's actually attached to all of these <laughs> handkerchiefs which <are> coming out <laughs> now um it was a, a look of incredulousness involved which i which i understood and respected because i i feel like we'd bitten off more than we thought we could chew at that point in the afternoon so effectively what you have is a game of players collecting resources behind a little screen and then using those resources to be building troops which are going to be defending the walls or being sent out to a to fight against the incoming invasions, or you're going to be using these resources to build bits of wall build barricades that are going to be actually kind of just maintaining the safety of the city and stopping you from being shamed um which is a bad thing right off the bat i'm going to say that i don't know enough about the culture of this stuff or the history of this stuff to say whether or not uh, what Awakened Realms have done in terms of appropriating Chinese culture is good or bad or okay or somewhere in the middle. Although I would say it felt kind of weird to me that there was things like the the, the order of the turn was defined by the tea track. And it was like the fact that you had like tea being important and Mm. then shame being important and honor just felt to me a little bit like off the shelf in a way that I thought, I don't know if if this is terrible, but it doesn't feel great. (laughs) Um, so I'm just going to put that out there as a caveat from me. Effectively, then you're trying to get resources and you've got some worker placement going on here where you've got different areas where you can be collecting these resources from. But interestingly, unlike in normal worker placement, where everybody places their workers for a round and then it all happens, most... Of these key areas don't actually activate until all of the slots on them are filled so you have like maybe five slots in the gold mines and until five different figurines have been placed there you're not gonna get them back they're just gonna sit there at the entrance of the gold mine until somebody fills it up or does something magical and then you've got all these other spaces that are kind of infinite and will keep activating more quickly and the structure of the game is very strange and the fact that you're going to be having this hand of cards a bit like in something like Concordia where you're going to have a hand of cards that you play a card at the start of the round that's going to be the action that you're going to take and then you can choose at the end of the round to get any of your cards to get all of your cards back from your discard but you're rewarded for not doing so and to just play through the game by just using each of your cards once which if you do that that will last you for the whole game and you'll be laughing and getting loads of points but Each of these actions then has a whole bunch of different interactions with other people's things. So there's an element here of, like, guessing and bluffing, where some cards, if you play them and other people have played other cards, then you're going to get bonuses in your turn. Also, your cards, when you play them, will allow other people to do things during your turn. And also, you then activate each of these cards you've played in turn order, and each card, rather than just being like, this is my action card, it's like each card kind of counts as a mini round within the game. So, <laughs> you know, you have to play through each player's action card one by one, fully resolving them, and then it's the end of the full round. In a way which, which is kind of, feels slow and a bit strange until you get the hang of it. Admittedly, once we did get the hang of it, it sped up a whole bunch. But the reason it took a long time is because there's just tons of other stuff going on. You've got, like, all these different decks of cards that involve, you can hire advisors um, that can be permanent buffs or improve your general. You've got this mad stack of general cards, which all have, like, special powers that you only you can use. And a lot of these cards, which we looked at, we didn't even understand them. Even (laughs) after we played the
0: game, they didn't make sense. Um, Which I think says something to the complexity of the game, right, Tom? There was something very funny about all of us drawing two general cards and then having to choose one of them on the first round of the game. You get two, you pick one. And everyone sort of went, well, I don't understand this one, so I have to have this one. And it's a really weird game that we played it because we didn't, I don't think anyone really understood the sort of shape of the game until a few rounds in when we sort of then managed to click together what a round looked like, what what was actually going on in the game. It's a tremendously confusing structure where you have a hand of cards, you know, just going through that that basic turn order where you play a card from your hand, but everyone plays a card at the same time, then you choose which order they activate in based on turn order, but then within that turn, someone might get an activation in the middle of it, which you resolve separately, and then when do spaces activate? It's really odd in terms of flow. It doesn't slink together yeah. nicely. It's a sort of weird mess. And then you've got that guesswork based on what
1: cards are right. going to play, based on what's in their discard, and then what order are things going to unfold in, and... It's, you know, this this whole game in a, in many ways doesn't really make any sense until <laughs> you remember that it's by Awaken Realms. Right. You know, I was thinking about this a whole bunch. And the fact that really what they've done here is the same thing they did in Lords of Hellas. And in Lords of Hellas, it didn't really quite work either. But here I think it works even less effectively in the fact that what they've done is they've just mashed together loads of different ideas in a way that is tremendously exciting but arguably just too much right and in Lords of Hellas it's mashing together all these different Ameritrash ideas right so it's like you've got this happening you've got this happening you've got this deck of cards and what that results in is it results in parts of the game which feel weaker like I think in that game particularly yeah you can go off on these adventures and do a quest it's a nice idea but there's having this whole quest adventure deck just didn't really it didn't fit it didn't add to the game enough it felt like a distraction and in this you've got the same thing but each of these is their own little mechanic within this sprawling Mm. euro of stuff yeah um and it just became almost impossible um to keep track of of what was going on in a way that didn't feel ideal there was there was lots of interaction and there was lots of room for like you know saying i'm gonna go here first i'm gonna basically mess up your turn by doing this but once everyone had three or four different special powers in front of them once everyone had quite different engines that could uh, effectively break the game in different ways and get around different problems um it became tougher to understand what people were doing and we slipped into that euro game thing of someone saying well i'm just doing this this and everyone going yeah, yeah it's fine it's fine you know when you <laughs> just reach across the table and grab like 20 bits of gold and everyone else is like yeah fine you don't need to explain to me why you're doing that i'm sure there's some reason why you're doing something to me that looks absolutely impossible um and again some of the dna is is actually like the way that you are fighting these cards is very similar to the way you do it in lords of hellas of having these these enemy cards that have all these wound slots that need to be filled either with sending enemy sending your troops to fight them or using archers on the wall to pepper them with shots and finishing them off and again you know that whole side of things the fact that the cards attacking have special powers that sometimes negate things and it was interesting that the board was so large almost that we discovered that i wasn't really paying attention to the new advisors that were appearing in the shop because they were just slightly too far away from me <laughs> the text was quite small and drew who we were playing with wasn't really paying attention to the details on the cards the things attacking for the same reason and that kind of it was weird to play a game where you could actually kind of ignore a whole mechanic
0: just because it was kind of a bit far away from you (laughs) drew had the unique problem of not being able to see those things at the top of the board because there was a wall in the way he literally (laughs) built a 3d wall that made it impossible to really see what was going on and he pretty rightly just went well i'm just not going to engage with that system And, and you're right there are loads of systems in this game and they all feel quite bloated with these mechanics that are piled on top of each other and everything's kind of vying for your attention at the same time and I can't help comparing it to what I've been playing a bunch at the moment, which is A Feast for Odin. I've been playing shed loads of a Feast for Odin recently. And that's a great example of a game that has so much going on, but it never feels bloated. It doesn't feel like kitchen sink design because every mechanic is very well laid out and they all point towards this central goal, which in A Feast for Odin is just do like good Tetris. Great Wall has all these different systems that will affect you differently, but you can't possibly engage with all of them. You can't keep it all in your head. So what you end up with is a strategy that feels kind of wobbly and like you're trying to please too many things at once and just taking the negative hit from doing the things that you can't have the mental load to do. Like, for example, it feels very much like this game is dictated by what power you're given. So I really like that in games often because it gives you a directive to follow. It gives you something to sort of like rinse points out of. My directive in this game, my special power, was just to be on the same worker placement spots as other people, which meant I was constantly faced with the decision of whether to go and do my own project, do the part of the game I was interested in, um, or just to sort of like ride coattails and try and make things work. But the second style of play isn't very fun. It just has you sit on top of a lot of systems without really diving into any of them. So instead, the question is, do you want to do what's efficient or do you want to do what's fun? (laughs) And crossing from one into the other is really hard because the game's like very inflexible. Once you've started going down one route, it feels like you're sort of locked into that. You can't really engage in or have a dabble in something else because you're very much the guy that does resources. I never dealt with that system and resources were a problem for me for the whole game in a way that i just sort of gave up on caring about towards the end
1: i think also though in in the areas where it is flexible it loses focus right and i think that that's that's the main issue i had with it is it it does manage to tie together all these different systems and all these different levels of complexity but in doing so you have a game where you have like five different types of you know four or five types of resource which you use to to um to buy stuff or Mm. spend stuff and really they're they're sort of interchangeable in the way that doesn't feel that weighted you know there are situations where you have to use this or you have to use this and actually you know it's not that they're like literally pointless but in terms of the main physical resource of gold wood and stone a lot of time what it comes down to is well you can sort of you know you can mix and match you can kind of use the fact (laughs) that we were building we were building walls often by like just shipping handfuls of gold building, (laughs) building walls entirely out of gold which felt excessive and um it didn't feel like there was a complete disconnect there it wasn't like what's the point in having these different resources but it felt like the the point of having different ones was very much an economic puzzle rather than this sensation of building stuff which was which was a shame but you know what i would say about this game and i think that it really did manage to achieve this was this sensation of having a game where we were competing and trying to do better than everyone else but also working together towards one thing Mm -hmm. and actually working together towards building these walls and defeating these enemies that were appearing, uh, worked really well. And I felt that actually, like, even though a lot of the theming didn't come to life, this idea of, like, reinforcing and working together to defeat things and having this sort of gentle collaboration between us, I thought actually landed pretty well. And I think it it was a shame that the rest of the game was almost too much because it didn't allow the focus to be on that as much and i feel like if you're really into well let's say it's like if you're really into heavy heavy euros then i think this game could be amazing right because it has tons of complexity to it and also the usage of these decks of cards and these abilities means that i think the replay value of this is probably quite ridiculous um in terms of having like different starts different games panning out in different ways there's a ton of stuff going on potentially underneath the hood if you want it but for me for my level I felt like I was so fixated on just trying to kind of maintain an understanding of what I was doing that I didn't really have time to ever really enjoy myself but also (laughs) not not enjoy myself do you know what I mean it was just it was very
0: all-consuming yeah uh, I, I definitely agree that like the core of the game could be really good that central idea of like worker placement spots that become more enticing if more people are there and like contributing towards this big group project i think that's really juicy i just think there's a lot of it around it that i didn't really care for and i think a lot of that one of my biggest problems with the game which i haven't really touched on and that i think we both agree on is that it's got quite a bad rule book. <laughs> Uh, it's it's oh, a yeah, pretty yeah. dismal rule book. Um I made the pretty bold decision of trying to read through the entire thing while we were playing because I didn't like I wanted to see for myself. But even you after that you didn't trust, you didn't trust what I'd said. You thought I just <laughs> made it all up. I thought, this, man, this can't be real, right? <laughs> it can't be like this. But I we didn't even even after that, we didn't really manage to Swiss cheese sort of the actual shape of the game into relief. It like it felt like learning to drive an ambulance while you're inside it bleeding out <laughs> like it, it was really yeah. really hard and and i think a lot of people the, my biggest problem is that i just do not want to engage with it again i do not want to play it again it's not inviting enough to make me want to sit down and oh and, and absolutely play it another time and that's i think that's a problem Like i think people who play a lot of board games love novelty they love grappling with a new system identifying wrinkles and seeing what kind of makes that thing unique the great wall didn't provide a system that was necessarily as engaging to learn but its biggest sin is not making itself approachable to learn it's poorly tutorialized it's not very intuitive it doesn't want to let you sort of play in the sandpit while you're learning it's very much you're having it all now it's going to bash you over the head and you're going to have potentially a bit of a miserable time uh i I really didn't enjoy our game of of the great wall i guess no fair enough (laughs) fair enough no no fair enough and i think i think that's what i where
1: i land with it as well as the fact that i i thought it was it was interesting to me as a kind of like a product of, oh, this is what happens when Awakened Realms make a, a Euro <laughs> you know, there. It's it's like, okay, it's it's interesting. They, you know, they've paired they've held themselves back in lots of regards, but they also haven't in other regards. And I do think that like I can imagine for certain groups, if like people just love playing games where it's like, I don't care how heavy it is, let's do this. It could be a delight. And I don't know. What I would say is I don't know how much that variety would change the game that having this big stack of things that play differently and do different right. things maybe that actually it just gives a level of deep complexity in life to the game maybe that actually after a while you realize it's just lots of different shades of the same colors in you know it's how much can you actually change the shape of that game is, is an interesting question i found i mean like i say i think it was interesting to me because i thought okay this manages to achieve something that lots of euros really fail to right games euros don't manage this whenever they try and be like okay we're gonna have some sort of theming that isn't just like you're running a farm um especially a theming that's to do with like combat or defense i find that often it just falls flat it doesn't work and i think it's interesting that actually although i wouldn't really be keen to play this again i thought it was really interesting that it managed to succeed in regards to other games failing um it's just the 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 whole package i mean as you say it's 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 the fact that like There's only so many rules you can carry in your head at once, and I think the tough thing about this game is you reach the end of the rules explanation, and then you need to go back to the start to explain the start (laughs) of the rules again because people have forgotten the start, and you kind of, you know, you kind of get caught in a loop where you're expecting someone to follow you through a supermarket, but you've already filled their arms with melons, and (laughs) now you want them to like carry some boxes as well. It's it's just it's just too much. But if if you're super big brain then you will be fine and you'll be able to do it but i think
0: anyone else it's it's not um... the very last thing i want to say on it is that it's i think there's a really interesting we've talked about it being complex as a game and i don't even know if it's that complicated mechanics wise i just think it's a lot of mechanics that don't necessarily link together well to form a sort of organic teach and the information is presented to you in a way that is like truly baffling uh It's a weird box. What a weird box! And
1: that's and that's that's exactly the same as the Lords of Hellas. It's just the difference here is rather than like oh, and on the edge there's this thing where you roll a dice. It's, oh, on the edge, there's this thing here where you have a whole deck of cards and resource management. You know, it's, it's, (laughs) you just, you know, with Ameritrash, you can just have dumb things where it's like, no, draw a card, pow. But in a Euro game, adding a whole nother board, as you know with Feast for Odin, you've got to be pretty
0: careful when you start adding extra whole (laughs) sections to a Euro game. Well, on the topic of Ameritrash, uh just chuck a bunch of random stuff into a game and see what happens but this time it's fun that's a very poor segue and it doesn't reflect my opinions on the following game at all but i'm by jove am i going to try and make it work uh matt i really want to tell you about wise guys i want to tell you about wise guys wise guys we before playing this game just to to set the scene for everyone this is a game that's set in the 20s and you're all Prohibition-era gangsters. And before the game, uh, I borrowed a little technique from Quinn's which is put on the Smash Brothers roster music as everyone decided on their mafia voice for the game of Wise Guys. What kind of gangster are you? Are you going to go, Wise Guys? Or are you going to be like, Wise Guys? Uh, et etc.? et cetera. The two kinds of voice. The two voices. There, was some, oh, hey, there were some bad ones. Hey, Tony. That's a good a one. Well, you've you've bookmarked that one for next time because I do want to That's play this game, game again. And I do think you'd cool. get a real kick out of it. Uh so Wise Guys from publisher Gale Force Nine is a new version of the Sons of Anarchy board game. Don't know if you have mm. you ever played the Sons of Anarchy board game? You know, I haven't, but I was tempted at one point because I, I
1: did, for my sins, quite enjoy uh, a lot of the Sons of Anarchy television show. I watched it for maybe three or four seasons until uh they went to another country as part of the plot and it became so ridiculous that i lost <laughs> any ability to follow the illusion of the show did it have that, that thing as much as i'm going to say without spoilers
0: did it have that thing where when they go to another country it's the same country but they've just changed the color grading on the footage so it's like no, we're going down they, south they, orange filter they like, they
1: done something else but it was uh let's just say for somebody who lives in the united kingdom Absolutely unbelievable and ridiculous to the point of being embarrassing. But I feel like if if you're in America maybe you just wouldn't have noticed or would have thought it was okay. But anyway, I don't wanna I don't wanna spoil a television show that's maybe getting on to fifteen years old at this point. <laughs> but uh
0: let's just let's just roll on well i think i was about 15 years old when i had the sons of anarchy board game uh it was a pretty great pretty trashy game of moving motorcycle boys into each other's territories making deals over tiny little plastic guns and tiny little plastic bags of cocaine uh hang on so did you have the sons of anarchy board game
1: but you haven't seen sons of anarchy the television program correct youth is wild
0: okay, carry on. <laughs> one of my friends had seen the sons of anarchy tv show and was consistently making references to it that nobody round the table understood uh, get them was... on i'll talk to them about it <laughs> get them on now call them up get our sons of anarchy expert on they'll agree with me all right so <laughs> gale force 9 has rethemed this and they've updated the rules to make it into wise guys it's the same core but it's got a prohibition era theme you're smuggling booze rather than drugs and everything is very 1920s themed How this game works is you sort of have a map of chunky tiles representing the locations for your gang members, which are represented by these circular cardboard tokens, to go and exploit. So for example, you might go to the gun factory and exploit it to turn some money into some guns. Or maybe you go to the distillery to get some booze for free. Or maybe you go to the town hall and you become the boss of bosses, uh, a token that gives you tie-breaking rights over like everything in the game. Uh, But importantly, the only way that you can actually exploit a location and get its juicy rewards is by having only your guys on it. So you you have to be the only person present in that area. And each location can only be exploited once. So you can, Mm. of course, clear someone off that territory if they come to mess up your operation, but by using combat, by using force, by punching them or shooting them. But that's costly and it's time consuming. So maybe you make a deal. And deals are sort of the heart of this game. There are three currencies: money, which is points; guns, which is killing; and booze, which is selling. And they're freely interchangeable with any players at any time for any reason. And like that's what's foundational. That's what's joyous about Wise Guys. Is that it? Met- <laughs> it's a game that lets you make actual threats. Like you can say to someone, <laughs> "I will use this power." If you don't give me money or guns or booze or all of them. And then this very real kind of like mafioso veneer like slides in. When if that person denies like your threat, they go, no, I'm not going to give you anything. You might have to use that power on them to sort of assert dominance over the table that you are not to be messed with. Um, It works in conjunction with the theme so well. And it's something really special that this game respects the creativity of the players in establishing like new kinds of deals new formats for how they're going to interact with each other so you said that the game like respects
1: your ability to like be kind of developing and playing with new types of deals and doing stuff how does it do that how does that how how does that how does that how does
0: that a really really good example is that it's going to Push you into making these creative deals by these things called the Roaring Twenties cards, which come out every round and they'll have different things that they'll affect the game in different ways. And one of them that was one of the most bizarre rounds of a game I've ever had was this card that meant that you couldn't move your own pieces for this round, you could only move your opponent's pieces. Normally you can't move your opponent's pieces. It just meant that this round, you can't touch your own things. You have to get someone else to do it for you. And it Mm. just completely changed the game because it turned into this thing, which is like, it got someone's turn and someone made a threat to everyone around the table. They were like, I'll move you into this location that no one wants to go to if you don't give me a dollar right now. And then there were deals wow. where someone was going, hey, if you move me, I'll move you. And they were like, oh, I don't think that's good. Maybe you give me a little bit of uh, booze from your distillery. And then you did all these bizarre trades. And then someone would move someone else's piece into a territory that they wanted to contest. Oh, it was just utterly bizarre, utterly silly. And everyone just kept laughing at how like horrible they were being to each other. And I think it's just there's something really exciting about this game that is so theme-based and so trashy and so ridiculous and it's got dice rolls that completely swing the game it's got like holding your fist out and showing each other how many guns you've been clenching in your palm it's it's all theme all nonsense It sounds
1: i mean it sounds a a lot like it's got some of that mega game magic of not trying to get players to be characters but trying to get players to be a job and everybody understands the job of classic hollywood 1920s gangster and then you (laughs) give people a, a framework to play around in that and it allows people to have a ton of fun um playing the the job role of fictional uh television crook
0: which sounds like a ton of fun it is it is and you could have a player whose whole job is like sitting at the distillery and just making booze which they're going to go and sell but then they might need to hire some protection so another player steps in as being the role who has the gun factory and they'll offer their services to whoever pays them the most like it's great i i really enjoyed it but i do have a slight gripe with it which isn't really a gripe it's more just what the game is Uh, The manual makes it really clear that you shouldn't take it too seriously because it's super mean. And whilst I think I had a great time, my group weren't all that enthused about the prospect of being really cruel to each other for the whole game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think it started off with a lovely sense of like it being a bit silly and oh damn you why'd you do that? And then as the game went on, it became a little bit of a slugfest and people got annoyed at each other that they were blocking the space they really. So liked.
1: really, you like the game, but your review of your friends is that they're, they're not cruel enough. They're,
0: yeah, they're too weak, basically. weak. Um.
1: well, this is how you got to weed out the weak, isn't it? Yeah, you got to you got to corner the weak ones at the back of the cave and then. Uh form your gang get some some sticks and go out and steal some fire
0: we're back to prehistory again yeah we're back to wise Always guys back. prehistoric back to the start yeah what matt's saying there is uh tom can you tell us about the changes that this game makes to the sons of anarchy original board game and yes I will very briefly. Thanks. Great. Yeah, (laughs) there are two big changes and I'll just uh, quickly list them off now Uh, for people who played the original and wondering about getting this one. I don't think they're substantial enough to warrant buying this game fresh, but they might be a good way to coax you into the system. Uh, Now everything's cardboard rather than plastic, which doesn't mean you get those tiny little plastic duffel bags of cocaine that I did love. Uh, But it's fine. It keeps the cost down. It keeps the plastic down. This game is super cheap. But also you've got that your made men, which are previously just members of the gang, have got this balance of uh, stats for slugging and talking. And again, it's not huge. It's not the biggest change. It's very slight, but it does feel like a change for the better rather than for the worst. But if you didn't like Sons of Anarchy, you won't like this for its changes. But if you did like Sons of Anarchy, the changes aren't like shattering. Uh, That's it. That's all I have got to say about Wise Guys. I just had a good fun time being a gangster. And yeah, no, I, I, I want to check that out.
1: I want to. It's funny. I feel like, the, based on the framework of the game, I feel like I'd be way more interested playing it with being, um, a uh, traditional cartoon-like, uh, 1920s gangsters than, uh, than drug running motorcycle gangs. I think, I think it's, it's just a much better. Theme. There's, there's a, there's a vast difference thematically there, and the fact that you know the Sons of Anarchy theming is is very directly violent and dangerous, whereas yes. I think that like you know 1920s there's a lot of shrugging and hats involved (laughs) Uh, and the implication of potential violence down the road without it being outwardly like we're the big dangerous dogs on this road and you better get off it if you're afraid of dogs um which i think
0: is just a ton more fun to play with yeah i i absolutely that is 100 percent true we had so Uh, few relatively few fights in this game because it was more about implied violence whereas in sons of anarchy you're like we're the motorcycle boys we're turning up and we have guns and we're going to shoot you when Uh, you've you know got a hammer everything looks like a nail exactly
1: spoilers incoming i repeat we have spoilers incoming Lock up your spoilers.
0: But hold on. Why would you lock up your spoilers if the spoilers are coming in? Like, you've already got uh, spoilers you don't want in. A, you
1: don't want them any more spoiled than they've already been. Then that's... The spoilers spoiled. are...
0: ...going to be unleashed. Unlock your... Wait, lock away... Make sure that your spoilers are locked up, because... Wait, hold on. I think uh, I've just said the same thing I, that you did. Yeah, exactly. Right. Look, the bottom line is we're about to talk about the initiative. <laughs> I'm going to let you in
1: on secrets that the game does because I think it's cool, but I didn't want to put it in the YouTube video. We've put it in the podcast as a means for people to be able to have a listen. If you do not want to know about this stuff, if you want to check out the game or you just don't like having things spoiled for you, then stop listening to the podcast now. I promise you we're just going to talk about that and then it's going to end abruptly and that's it. So you've got five seconds now and then I'm going to start spoiling things about the initiative
0: rapid fire
1: five four three two let's spoil spoilers so um this game has obviously the comic book element where you're going through doing the story and it's also got this actual like game that you're playing which is the game in the comic that the kids buy it's the game in the game that's in the game that's in the game the game in the
0: game that's in the game that's in the game
1: the key it's called the key yeah and there's some really neat stuff between the missions, right? In terms of getting you to do these little puzzles. Because you got puzzles in the main game, as we showed in the review, where you have to crack the code uh, before you run out of time. But then in between that, you're getting these cards. And on these cards, sometimes you actually have like little coded messages or little bits of things scrawled on them that don't quite make sense. But the idea is, as with Pandemic Legacy, you keep these cards. And as you go through, you can refer back to them later on. And they might contain information that, A you can now decode because you've learnt more ciphers or more patterns or b Mm. might just generally be useful in other ways and some of the stuff that really surprised me in this game that i thought was really very neat um was at one point like multiple points what it'll do is you'll read a page of the comic and then it will say if you know the answer to this question or whatever then go to this page in the comic otherwise go to this Mm -hmm. page And it's then choose your own adventure. It's kind of choose your own adventure, but it's like, can you crack a puzzle now? There's like a solution. Do you know what it is? And if you don't know what it is, then you, you skip it. But at that point, there's always a way you can work out something. And what's neat is the first one of these is something where you see it in the background and you realize that actually the code cipher you need, like the the system you need to break the code that you're currently stuck on, is just written on the chalkboard in the back of one of the pictures in the comic frame (laughs) in a way that's like, "Ah, that's it, it's a nine by nine thing. That's the cipher. And it's Uh... like, that's fun. And then there's another one where one of the cards has a question on it and you have to answer the question. And then you realize that on the edge of the card, there's like some sort of weird squiggly lines going around some like background shapes. And when you align that in the comic book, it perfectly aligns with some squiggly background drawings in the comic that then complete to actually form letters that complete to form a word so it's literally you have to put the card in the correct position in the comic and then it's like it reveals a whole secret
0: message again and and so is this stuff just trying to get you to stumble on this organically or is it telling you specifically solve this thing And you have the tools available to you, or do you just happen upon these solutions by being inquisitive? I mean, the solutions are always like in the area where you are currently. So it'll be like you read this page,
1: it'll say, go, you know, you'll have have just uncovered a secret card um, from the last mission, which are like, you know, basically you just get these cards and it'll tell you, like, get secret 17, and then you get it and you add it to your little pile of, of secrets that you have. And a lot of them are like literally just like here's a card which explains how to use a cipher on it. Uh, but some of them have like encoded messages on that you have to come back to later or maybe you can crack now. And yeah, so it's it's usually that the clue you're going to look for is going to be to do with the most recent secret you got. And there's probably going to be something that aligns like on that page somehow. There's going to be mm-hmm. something around this part of the comic because it doesn't really want you flicking through the comic because it's very much a case of like not wanting to look at pages you're not supposed to. But yeah. again, this is something that didn't like blow us away when we were playing it because we'd seen that kind of thing before but if you haven't if you ever haven't ever seen that kind of Mm. like secret messages in comics based on overlaying things it's got a couple of really neat ideas which were great the real chef's kiss moment came about when we realized one of the first things we did was we looked for to see if there are any secret components in the bottom of the box because you know ever since gloomhaven it's just a thing you do right is there anything in the bottom of the box <laughs> and there was nothing in the bottom of the box but then later on we cracked one of these codes that just said like look inside of the and it said like false bottom like false box bottom or whatever and it's like <laughs> what and then we realized that it's like there was literally like a fake bottom to the box it was very well done and it was that thing of being like, actually hang on a minute and then within that you find extra components and extra rules um I mean, it was just delightful. Like, it was the fact that we'd looked for it and not found it, it. It shows you how well they'd done a job of it. And then also the fact that really at that point, that's one of the first parts in the game where it then expects you to learn a bunch more rules and the game starts to get a bit more complicated. And framing that as being like, we were like, oh, this is so cool. And it's like really excited <laughs> to read more rules, which I just thought was like, this is pretty amazing. Like, you know, it's one thing to have yeah. a nice fun surprise, but yeah, I, I just thought... If you have not, if you don't play board games much and you haven't heard of this, like, hiding things in the bottom of the game before, then that, I felt, would be like a
0: real, like, mind blower. I I think that those sorts of spaces are where you put those, like, the rules that make you go oh that you kind of treasure in a regular rule book but if you can hide them inside something else then they become even more explosive when they like change the fundamentals of the game in a way that makes you go oh no
1: and also it, it added like a tutorial element to it and the fact that it taught you how to play this very basic version of the game and then you just start playing it and then a few missions after you have you played a couple of rounds of it it's like now we're going to introduce the rest of the rules but it, because it didn't show you these components or show you these rules it meant it was really pared down and basic to get going and then was like now you got it we're going to teach you the rest of the game which i just thought was like lots of games do this being like here's the intro game and then you play a bit more and now here's the rest of the rules but to actually like segment it and hide that part of the game i thought was like really exciting but also really clever just to be like how do we not overwhelm players with all the rules at once? We literally hide them and the components inside of the box <laughs> so they don't know they're there. Uh, much like I've done with my TI expansion for TI4 that I right. didn't have the heart to throw away, but have hidden underneath everything else. Anyway, um, that I thought was a real class act uh, for a whole bunch of reasons, for the excitement, for the game design. Um, and then again, a thing that we clocked because we started looking for stuff. It's not super obvious initially, but the board for the game that you play on is a double-sided board um that you basically flip and has a lot of variety in terms of being able to like uh put these little tokens on to make walls make doors etc but what we discovered was it's a really thick board and we realized it's thick because there's a part in the game where you literally like there is a perforated line Around the edge in the black, where basically you do that, and then the board folds out to be a version of the board that is twice as big. So it's like, yeah, you, right. So it's like you've already been so playing I, it. I,
0: I was, I'd heard that, I'd heard about this. You'd told me that there was this perf, this sort of like little perforated edge. But I thought it was like you unveil a different board that's underneath, but it folds out it like folds into a bigger into
1: a bigger board. Oh, that's so cool. So then you've got now, so you get like about two thirds of the way through the campaign, and then suddenly it's like now you're playing on a board that's twice as big um yeah. versus that you know and and it's like yeah I've, i don't think i've seen a game do that before to literally hide in plain sight like the fact that the board i just even i didn't notice it, it for a while i was just like this is a weirdly thick board oh well. it's, <laughs> it's like it's quite fun to have something that's really thick it's like a fun component but um yeah once we clocked that it was like this is this is quite exciting and again all of this stuff like you know i was the, the board trick i thought was neat and then there was other stuff along the way, but those were the big things for me that just dotted throughout that it was like, this is really cool. Like if you've not played games before, um, if you've not played modern board games, then I just thought, yeah, yeah. And I, I was actually pleased because- sell you. We saw in the comments, like a bunch of people who had played it with uh with kids who actually kind of felt that like, yeah, it was, uh, thankfully our assessment was was pretty bang on. If you play it with kids oh, who are goodness. about 9, 10, that it's like, it's pretty, it's a pretty exciting process. Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> But so does the as well. Does the board change visually in terms of like the art design? Because I noticed that in the in the basic the basic board seems quite grayscale. Does it open up to be a little bit more exciting, a little bit more colourful, or is it still grey?
1: No, it's it's pretty much like it's it's the same style. Like it's just it's just right. completely changing the the scale of the game. Gotcha, gotcha. In terms of how how far you have to move around and what you've got to do, etc. Um, and then you know towards the end of the game as well you just start to have to use multiple ciphers to actually be able to crack the codes and the difficulty does start to like ramp up very gently towards the end mm-hmm. but as i say it's like really a lot of the a lot of the early things you have to do and most of the game it's like it's just simple words or simple like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. number puzzles that just aren't really very challenging at all if you are a grown up but uh, yeah anyway um, I mean, I'm not going like, to try and sell it to people because at this point anyone who's here is probably either playing it themselves or is never going to play it but uh, yeah I really would recommend it uh, get it if you find it for a decent price I think it's unavailable as is often the way after we've uh, talked about things a bit um, <laughs> but it's a, an exciting thing more weird surprises please I like them And that is all we have for you on today's pod platter of audible bits for you to pop into your mouth and ears. Thank you very much for listening to the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. Um, If you've enjoyed the podcast, then hey, why don't you come back and listen to it again
0: next week? (laughs) Every week, it's a podcast. Every week, there is a new podcast and you can pop a sausage in your ear, a boiled egg in your mouth, Mm. and Mm -hmm. a Cuban cigar. In each nostril. In your other ear. In and your other, other ear. I say in your other ear. Yeah, you got and two. And then you can
1: have people guess which ear is the sausage, which ear is the cigar. Because they do easy, look very similar. But when you get to the third round, when you play with the lights switched off, Ooh. it's not as easy as it sounds. You've got to do it by feel. Yep. Or smell. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. If you enjoy the podcast, why not give it a review on whatever platform you like? I don't understand how the internet works in 2022, so maybe you just want to like stand up in the corner of a park and like list out some of your grievances or positive things that you think about the podcast to strangers. Or maybe if there's no one there, just shout at ducks. I don't know, but whatever you do, thank you for doing it. And we'll see you next time for more of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast. Like
0: a pro. Bye. Bye.